Hello, everybody out there. I'm Felicia Michaels, and I'm Susanna Brisk, and, and you this is are watching Milf Code. The Milf Code, <laughs> and we are so smooth. Seriously. We are so smooth. It's frightening. How are you, Susanna? I am terrible. Thank you for asking. Really? Yeah. No, actually, I'm good because I didn't drive off a cliff. Oh well, that's nice. So you know, so glad you can make the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I figured I won't kill myself till Friday. Well, yeah, that's that's nice. Of you. I'll do the show first. Right. Right. Yeah. So what's it's going not, on? It's that not about so you. It's show down. business. The show business has depressed you? No, show business keeps me alive oh, for another day. Oh, now I am really sad for you. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on with you? I live to tweet, Felicia. Yeah, that's frightening. So what happened was that I had to break up with one of the people that I'm seeing. Right. And uh, um, so yeah. what happens is that... <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Then I go into like a spiral. Right. And, uh, you know, I told my ex-husband today that I had to break up with one of the people I'm seeing. And he's like, I'm not into polygamy. I'm I like, it's polyamory, <laughs> moron. I didn't say moron because right. I'm working on myself. But, and he was um, handing you a check. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Lucky he was. Those alimony checks keep my tongue right. <laughs> She's like, she's like, my husband's here, my ex-husband's here, and I'm like, tell him you need more money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's okay, he came with a check, I'm going to be nice to him. But anyway, so then I sent out like this really self-loathing, like, like heartbreaking tweet, and immediately like got 200 new followers. As you <laughs> so had planned like, in the first place. <laughs> I was like, totes worth it. Right, Please, right. stab me in the heart so yeah. I can tweet about it. I yeah. mean, as, as long as I get 140 characters and a blog out of it. I think that's what's important. That's pretty important. So now I'm okay. You are? Is the point. But I I mean, it gets very dark over here. Well, and I have I questions for you. Yes, what My are the question questions? is, if you're into polyamory... Hanging. Oh, if you're, sorry. If you're into polyamory <laughs> and you have a couple of different gentlemen that you're seeing, why do you get so depressed over one? You got like some backup. I always carry a spare. Right. But why do you get so... That's what I don't understand about polyamory. I think the whole point of polyamory is so when you break up with someone... You know what I mean? That you're like, oh, everything's all good. Well, it's not everything's all good. It just means that I'm not in the hospital. Oh, I see. Like, that's see. the difference yeah. because, but it's like if someone said, if one of your kids, God forbid, something happened to one of your kids, well, you still got another one. It's like, that's well, I what people I don't, don't. I don't see my lovers as one of my children, number one. <laughs> yeah, but the, it's the analogy that I give because... Right. Don't be gross, Felicia. I know, but no, I don't mean that in a <laughs> sexual way. I mean that in an emotional way. If I was dating two or three guys and one of them had to hit the curb, that's a totally different set of feelings than my children. But the similarity is this, okay? Uh -huh. Is that love, this is what we say, polyamory, loving many, and I'm not gonna be all dogmatic about it. God bless you all. If you're into monogamy, good luck. I'm just saying what works for me uh -huh. is that love doesn't divide. I have enough love for you and for Jake in the control room and for both of our guests and and for the other guy at, in the control room <laughs> <laughs> whose name escapes that's me right e at this enough moment. Love, that's but not enough memory. That's the way. Open that bottle him. of warmth right there, Susanna. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that's how but you the do point it. is that the love doesn't divide. Uh -huh. So it's like it hurts, but it feels a little better knowing that I'm going to still get laid on Sunday. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right. Uh, so that's kind of how how. Well, I don't works. know really. I understand intellectually what you're saying. Yes. I it's not my it's not my gig. Uh, but when you break up with someone, it is. Uh, I, I've actually because I've because I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Like you're poly polyamorous, right? Mm -hmm. And you are. Uh, how long have you been divorced? 
three almost three years November, I, November 1st. I want to hear your stand when you're at year seven of divorce about polyamory because mm. at that point you're going to be like I can only do one of these fucks you know <laughs> what I mean like because well, for me I feel like I'm on the other side like I didn't date someone for a year and then I went out with someone at the beginning of summer and then you know how men always get at that three month part like when women were like well maybe I want yeah. to be my boyfriend and men are like why do we have to define it why do we have to and do, what, why do we have to define well here's why because because when I'm at a party with you, I want to say to all my friends, this is my boyfriend. Because it's easier than this is a guy that I fuck in a non-committal way when I don't have my children. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why I mm. want to define it. And that's why women want to define it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I went through my indiscriminate slut phase. Oh, um, totally. Oh, no. And I was actually quite discriminate for an indiscriminate slut. Um, I went through a little five-minute Tinder period. Oh. And right. it's not, polyamory is not the same as what people do in LA, which is just, oh, it's a day lots of women. It's like, no, that's not it. Like, I you have don't never get to met just someone in LA in. that's talked like that, Susanna. <laughs> you don't just get to stick your dick in everybody. Right. Polyamory is you, everything's discussed, everything's negotiated, everything is out in the open. Yeah, it that, means that, that makes me wet when I negotiate before I have sex. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me uh, oh my god, I just touched myself. I That's how what it makes me. <laughs> but I came just thinking about negotiating right. another relationship. Oh. I love to over communicate, it makes me feel safe. So my other boyfriends helped me with leave with leaving this boyfriend. Right, I was able to go right. to them and be like, tell me I'm not a complete piece of shit. Right. So it's it's, it's I don't whole, know. It it's works a whole for me. different world. No, I have no judgment against a whole different world, and and that's a wonderful thing that you're doing for yourself because that works for you. It, I wouldn't be able to do it, but I think it's great that that works for you. It's and amazing. I totally support that. Should we? And you? Should we? Oh well. Uh, oh, guess who I saw? Speaking of the MILF code, mm. Lonnie Anderson at mm. Bed Bath and Beyond, and let me tell you, she looks. Fine. Really? Oh my! You know, Lonnie Anderson from WKRP in Cincinnati yes, yes, yes. was married to Burt Reynolds. Yes. I was like, damn. Milferama. And, and she has a she has a better body than you, and you have a fantastic figure. And I was like, damn! Look <laughs> at her rock those <laughs> jeans. She no, and you have a beautiful figure. Excuse you have me. A no, 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 no. Keep digging. Listen. Yes. Polyamory of body compliments. I gotcha. I can have a good body, and she can have a good body. I'm being competitive. I apologize. That's go okay. On. Uh, you should be competitive with because she looks so good. Yeah. And I wanted so hard to go up to her and be like Lonnie Anderson oh my god you're like, you know, <laughs> you but fan she had rhinestones on her jeans but I was like this bitch is serious she got rhinestone on her <laughs> like I was afraid but anyway let's introduce our guest because we have could we please introduce our the guests? most amazing guest I would like to introduce one of uh, one of the best writers I know oh. he is a humorist he is a storyteller. I have known this gentleman probably since we're in our early 20s. <gasps> Please give it up, everyone, and get excited for Mr. Dylan Brody. Yay. Yay. So excited. I like to give it up, everybody, as I though we know. have a, a, a vast studio audience just waiting to applaud. We, we who just do decided have not a vast She's audience. actually talking about the, all the personalities in my head. Yeah. And they're all applauding you right yes. now. I, I yes. can feel their warmth. It's going. We're going to call this the genius show. Yes. Because seriously, between you and thank you so much, so much for being here and our other guest there's so much IQ in this room that maybe it'll explode 
We should hope so. Maybe. Um, so the other guest we have with us today is a very longtime friend of mine. We haven't known each other since our 20s, but uh, we've covered a lot. Um, <laughs> her name is Amy Dresner. She's a columnist for The Fix. She is a writer for The Fix. She also uh, writes for Amy Alcon, who's the advice goddess, and she's just a all-round badass. Please welcome Amy Dresner. Right. Kiss the ring. Kiss the ring, Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to have a ring when you ask people to kiss the ring. You know what else we could call this show? What? Three depressives and a blonde. (laughs) Right, no, because she's like, are you depressive? Because we're all three depressives. And I'm like, no, I get up and I'm like, yay, I love. That's because you're not Jewish. That's why. Uh, But are you Jewish, Dylan? Oh, yes. See? Three Jews and a blonde. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, Are all Jews... Are all Jews depressed, yes. or is it just the Jews in this room? Uh, not all Jews are, uh, but the, the, <laughs> the intellectual Jews tend to be. Of course. Uh, we read Dostoevsky <laughs> early, and, and we internalize it, and we understand that that is how the world is to be viewed. You know I was born in the former Soviet Union. My parents are full-on uh, Russian Jews, so I actually was handed Dostoevsky at like seven. My grandmother died of Alzheimer's years ago, um, and I have a bunch of jokes on it. Uh, And there's a thing that I say in that run of jokes. It was my grandmother who taught me we are Jews. We do not believe in tragedy. (laughs) We believe in horror, atrocity, and injustice. (laughs) And we recognize them all as hilarious. (laughs) Um, And I think that's really sort of part of it. I think we, we... we are aware that the world is unfair and it is stacked against any individual getting what they want and we are constantly overthinking and constantly studying deeper and deeper into stuff and at the same time because of that we're seeing ironies and layers and levels so we can find both the humor and of course the truth you know what my grandmother would say to that what you talking about that was my grandmother's shtick everything you said to her yeah, she just gets <laughs> swatted away like a like a fly. Uh, my grandmother would occasionally say, "Oh, don't be fresh," but <laughs> she didn't mean it because she loved when I was funny. Oh. Um, uh, and yeah, so I I think uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of depression among anyone who's intellectual, anyone who is constantly mm-hmm. thinking, anyone who is constantly trying to deepen their understanding of the world. I think there's likely to be. Yeah, levels so we're saying of you're stupid. Are you trying to disillusion right now? Uh, you're an airhead. That's why you I've happy. been wax poetic about Archie comic books. You don't know me. I can make it sound good. I'm a Betty, by the way. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You're the Veronica. Yours. Trust me. <laughs> now I'm medicated. I'm less depressed now that I'm medicated. Right? Are you yeah. medicated? Oh, yeah. For pharmaceuticals. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm actually not medicated for the last 17 months. Doesn't that explain a lot, Jake, in the studio? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> I had to bring cookies to make up for my asshole. Right, I had to bring week. a bottle of Tell wine me to about the your owner. Because <laughs> of your stuff. We, we don't need to go into <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Let's just say that we're Jews and okay. we suffer, and sometimes, and hopefully, we don't make others suffer. Amy Dresner, am I right? Yes. Yes. What are you asking me? I'm asking you how we s- manage to suffer without making other people oh, suffer. Um, well, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm still learning that, you know. <laughs> Um, you might want to move your. Ch- I I I tried to stab my ex husband when I was high. So did you? you yeah. Did? Yeah. Did it work? No. I, I tried to stab. No. Yeah. Well, I brandished a knife 
And uh, oh, good, we're getting cut off. It didn't no, take. No, it's all you right. Know. You brandished a knife. You don't know this. Who says brandished? He did. <laughs> he did. He was quoting Hamlet to nine one one. He didn't say that bitch had a knife. No, he said my my wife just brandished a knife, and I was so high. I was like, who says brandished? What are you quoting Hamlet, you asshole? That's awesome. And we're going to be back in a moment to talk about stabbing people. (laughs) I know. With the MILF code. The MILF code. Felicia Michaels, Susanna Brisk, our guests, Dylan Brody, Amy Dresner. Hang out. Yeah, it's going to be great. And welcome back to the MILF Code with Felicia Michaels and Susanna Brisk and our wonderful guests today, Amy Dresner and Dylan Brody, and uh, who are wonderful writers. Uh, uh, Susanna found a a book that you wrote called The Modern Depression Guidebook. Currently available at authorium.com. Awesome. I imagine available through Amazon as well as an e-book and download. There has never been a hard copy of it printed. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. oh nice. Um, I, can I tell you a story about this book? Well, let me, uh, yeah. absolutely, go for it. Right, or you can do a thing. You no, seem to want to do, do a thing. No, no, we I, wanna, don't, I don't have to I, do a thing. We do want to quote this because it's so, so good. So don't let us not quote okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Here's what happened with this book. I, uh, I wrote it when I was sliding into a deep depression 15 years ago, and I thought I would write my way out of it uh, by being funny. And uh, I, I couldn't sell it. I had trouble selling it. And then Authorium picked it up as an e-book. And they released it, and it was doing okay. It wasn't doing great. And then last year, they got in touch with me, and they said, hey, we want to re-release it. We're going to do new cover art. We're going to do all that. I said, okay, great. And then when is that going to happen? And they said, you know, late summer. And then the week after it was re-released, Robin Williams took (gasps) it on what? And I had written a piece that Robin did on the David Feldman show, and Robin and I sort of knew each other. We were acquainted. But the problem was that then anyone who Googled depression and Robin Williams was coming to me. So I was suddenly getting all these phone calls from radio stations going, so we understand that you knew Robin Williams and you wrote for Robin Williams, and I'd have to start by saying, no, I I worked with him once, we weren't really close friends, because I like to start every uh, interview by deeply disappointing the interviewer. (laughs) (laughs) And then... uh, Don't we know it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's not self-deprecation when you join in. Um, We can't wait until you disappoint us. (laughs) So I... uh, I felt bad about it, but calls were coming in to me. They were coming in for my PR guy. Hey, they want to talk to you. And uh, I I had this awful conference call between my now former manager and my PR guy (laughs) and me where they were saying, well, we can really capitalize on this. We can sell a lot of books. We can get you on the radio a lot. And I was like, yeah, by talking about a guy I kind of knew and really idolized and who is now dead, this doesn't seem like a good plan to me. I already hate myself, and I didn't do anything. Uh, And... uh, I got off the phone with them, and they're saying, "No, no, we can, we can d- separate you from it. We can always make it. You know, they'll they'll talk to you about that, but you always steer it toward depression and talking about mental health and those issues. And it'll be it'll be good. It'll be good for your career. And I want to do things that are good for my career. And I don't want to be self sabotaging because of some sense of ethics that doesn't apply to anyone else in show business. And at the same time, I don't want to be an ass. So I got off the phone and I thought about it. And I called my manager and I said, I, "Well, at first I called Authorium in England." and found out that it was five in the morning and then I waited and then I called them again. Uh, And then I called my manager and I said, listen, I know this is gonna cost you some money and I'm really sorry, Uh, but I think we can do this. You can go ahead and get me on radio and I will talk about depression. I will talk about mental health issues uh, because it's on the table right now, 
but from now until the end of September, every penny I make in royalties on this book uh, is going to mind.uk.org. It's a, a mental health place nice. in, in England. What is with all the integrity, um, seriously? I try to not be a dick. Wow. Uh, I strive to not suck. Uh, <laughs> and Authorium said, we'll put our profits in as well. It'll all go That's to that. Awesome. And my manager said, uh, that is a brilliant marketing scheme. Uh, and I said, oh. you are fired. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and I still have the same PR guy. He's, he's wonderful. But I, I left that manager at that moment wow. because if he could not understand that I wasn't doing this as a marketing scheme, I was doing it because I want to be able to sell my work and have people read my work and walk away with my soul clean, then he's not the right guy to represent me. Well, uh, as uh, Susanna had actually called this, uh, and, and there's a list here, are you a good candidate for depression? It's a quiz. And uh, number one is, are you sad right now? Are you sad right now? Not at this moment, but yeah. as soon as this podcast ends, I will be. Yes. Are you serious? Yeah, th I, I'm only ever happy behind a dick or a microphone. I've explained this to you already. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, always so shocking you know, when I hear it, though. Because I have a microphone tattooed on my dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's a handy. little, little <laughs> microphone. Oh! <laughs> We're going to go there. Let's go there. Uh. <laughs> Number two, have you ever been sad? Dylan's like, right now I am after that joke. Uh -huh. <laughs> And uh, but so if you but you, when you say have you ever been sad? Keep reading. You okay. have to read the whole okay. thing all at once, all otherwise right. it doesn't work because okay. the rhythm is genius. Do your moods, genius. Do your moods change depending on how you feel? Have you ever number four? Have you ever experienced great joy that you are not experiencing at this moment? <laughs> Five. Do you feel the occasional need to be reassured by those whom you trust? Occasional? Six, do you feel the occasional desire to avoid talking to those whom you trust and could <laughs> offer you reassurance? Seven, do you view each day as a great gaping maw of time? <laughs> gaping maw. <laughs> That's actually the name of my vagina. Gaping maw of time that must be filled. <laughs> it does need to be filled. Number eight, do you view each day as a bright opportunity for change, even though no day to date has ever brought that change? <laughs> Nine, is success an opportunity for disappointment? <laughs> Ten, have you ever experienced success, opportunity, or disappointment? Eleven, have you ever considered suicide? Twelve, do you believe in gods? Thirteen, do you now or have you ever had parents? <laughs> if you answered yes to none or more of these questions, congratulations, you qualify as a candidate. Satire, very, very hard to do. Thank you. So. I think. <laughs> here's the thing. Yes, I am complimenting you. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing about the beast. There's okay? a thing? There's, there are many things. Okay, But here's one of them. When you wrestle with the beast, you need to be just depressed enough to have the, the inspiration and the grr, but not so depressed that you can't move. No, when I wrote this book, I was in the pit of depression. Wow. All I did while I was writing this was write. I just sat at my desk and sweated and did not shower and did not sleep and wrote. And, uh, and every way in that I could find to ridicule my own depression in the state that I was in, I put on the page until I couldn't do any more. Um, depression, when I was in, and now I'm on Paxil because I see a a strict Orwellian therapist who medicates me against political outrage. Um, <laughs> I told well, my I wife, didn't want to say anything. But <laughs> I told my wife that joke, and she said, Sh shouldn't that be Huxleyan? And I knew she was right, but That's the one. Orwellian is more accessible, and, and the pills keep me from caring that much about the details. Yeah. Um, 
Plus, but Orwellian goes more off the tongue. It does. It People flows. know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. I'm going to say that the Archie comic books that I have been reading <laughs> have not filled me in on any of this stuff okay, right Betty. here. <laughs> okay, Betty. As, as long as we're just taking, let me just take a moment to say my my crush on you has not diminished even a little since wow. I was 23. Wow, that's, that's on you then. You are, <laughs> oh, it totally is on me. I, it's, it, you, it is so difficult for me to remember that the whole relationship we had was in my head and we have never been in love. <laughs> it's very difficult. I find it challenging, too, with I, Felicia. I understand. It is challenging. Most people do. Um, so, Amy Dresner, can we just talk to you for a second about, because you've written a lot about, about depression. depression and, and suicide attempts. <laughs> suicide attempts mm -hmm. and uh, medicating oneself mm -hmm. with alcohol and drugs. Mm -hmm. And you write for addiction.com as mm -hmm. well. And so, tell me about how how well do you have to be to write and how sick do you have to get to not be able to write god i don't even know how to answer that question i mean i think that when you're in it the problem with i feel like i don't know if you can agree if you agree with me but when i've been writing about my suicide attempts or being in a relapse and putting a needle in my neck or my sex addiction like that is true at the moment and that's my truth at the moment and then it changes and it's like it can only be like what's growing up in public. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like where everyone sees all of your stages and people Google it and it's like someone said, oh, I Googled addict and your name came up. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Like that's the SEO for my name is addict? Jesus Christ, you know? So it's like this stuff's on the internet forever and it's like, although I'm sober now and I'm not in that place and I, you know, haven't been 5150 in a couple of years um, or arrested or, you know, you know, been on Tinder or any of that stuff. It's like that stuff's still out there and people still view you through that lens. But it's like, I agree with him. You've got to really be open and vulnerable about the pain of it, but you can't be so modeling and self-pitying because that's just gross. It's like, so I have humor because that's the only way to get through it. You have to laugh at yourself or you don't get through it. Right, right. This depression book is not who I am anymore. It's from many, many years ago. I, I totally get what you're talking about. But the beauty is if somebody... Google's addict and finds you, or Google's depression, suicidal ideation, and finds me. No, I'm suicidal ideation. She's suicide attempts. Okay, whatever. I was talking Let's about get me. You guys are pussies. Right. Like, I really <laughs> took, I took a fucking box cutter to my uh, arm. I only did a, a gesture. Yeah, well, you didn't succeed, did you? <laughs> so yeah, add yeah, that yeah. to the Good list. Good at that, thanks. <laughs> I, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but those are things that if someone, if someone looks up suicidal ideation and finds my book and gets to me, I am now out of that state. Yeah and am able to be a voice in the darkness that knows what they're talking totally. about. Yes. So the fact that there are all these other incarnations of me that existed before, I haven't lost those people that I was, even though I'm no mm -hmm. longer them. And if, those, if my knowledge and, and comfort with those people and my ability to talk about them publicly yeah. allows somebody else to find a damn lighthouse then I figure, fine, let someone come to me because they think I'm the guy who's always depressed because they read one thing that I wrote 15 years ago. I'm not going to be the depressed guy for them, but I'll be the guy they find who knows what they're talking about. I totally agree with you. And that's, I get a lot of letters from people who read my stuff on The Fix who are just like, thank you for your fucking honesty. You I get I mean? a lot of letters from people who read your stuff on The Fix. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're like, thank you. How did you get through it? You gave me hope. You were honest. Like, I feel less ashamed. So I, and that's what really makes it feel like you're doing some good by opening your heart up and get, you know putting your guts on the page. I think I had something on the fix. That might be how we wound up being Twitter friends. You figured it out. 
They're going wow. to figure it out in the break how they were Twitter friends, and we guarantee that we will all be back here after the break. There will be no suicide pacts because that's all well-crafted material, and we're, we're through that now. We'll be back with the MILF code in a minute. <laughs> Welcome back to the MILF Code. Uh, I'm Felicia Michaels. We have the lovely Susanna Brisk and Amy Dresner, wonderful writer, and also Dylan Brody, humorist, storyteller. I uh, We were just talking a lot about depression and suicide, and, and this yay! is what I... Yay! Depression and suicide! podcast! <laughs> but what I wanted to tell you is I had an experience and, uh, a couple of months ago where I had known someone, um, and you, you know this person, uh, who on their Facebook had been talking about doing themselves harm. And it had been going, for, you know who I'm talking about a bit. It had been going on for a while, and I grew up with a suicidal mother, Oof. and I can tell you I have counted on three handfuls of times that I've come home from school and found her like ah, with pills all over and uh, and knew exactly when the pills would take her out. I would do my homework before I would call <laughs> the police. <laughs> like, it was like that. It was literally was like that. So, uh, so I didn't confront this person or say anything. I just quietly let it go. And then uh, about a year later, it took him a year to figure it out. He realized that I had defriended him and then he uh, Facebook messaged me and said, hey, we're not friends anymore on Facebook. Like, what's going on, right? And I, and I said, you know, I'm going to be completely honest with you. You had talked a lot about self-harm. And I grew up in a terrible situation where mm. my mother and my brother had talked a lot. They did suffer from depression of, of, of self-harm. And it's hard for me to deal with that. And I'm sorry that you're suffering, but, you know, you know it's hard for me. And, and I think you have to realize when you're putting stuff like that on Facebook, even though you're in a lot of pain, that it's hard for other people who are seeing it. And, and then he said, I totally understand what you're saying. Sometimes I get ahead of myself, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but let me ask you this. And this is where it always goes south when someone <laughs> says this. But let me ask you this. <laughs> How come you didn't contact me or say, what's going oh, on? Can I help oh you, right? Because you're posting on Facebook. Yeah, that's, you know, the people who really do it, do it. They don't, like, that's exactly you know, right. talk about it first and say, you know, and also it's like, anytime I was depressed, I would also, like, make jokes about it. You know, hey, I'm Googling nooses, blah, blah, you know, make some horrible joke about it. But it's right. like, you know, I just, I wanted to say that I, it does lift and it gets better, yes? Yes. And I'm in a much better place than I've ever been because I've had 20 grand mal seizures from drugs and now I'm a lot stupider, so I don't think as much and I'm happier. Mm. <laughs> the stupidity wow. definitely helps. Wow. When I was smoking pot all the time, <laughs> which is, you know, from the time that I was 14 to the time that I was 32, but just the once. Um, uh, I used to say on stage and did not know I was telling the truth. I used to say on stage, I smoke pot all day, every day, because I'm way too smart without it. Mm. And I thought that was a clever little joke, and then I had some jokes about how it made me stupider and how I function in the world. And the truth is... I so wanted to be accessible to an audience and I so wanted the success that I saw some stupider people than me getting mm -hmm. that <laughs> I was dropping the G's from my ING word mm -hmm. and I was going in stoned all the time. Uh -huh. And it was sort of making me 
one of those guys. And after I quit smoking pot, there was 10 years when I couldn't perform. I didn't know who I was and have since allowed myself to be as smart as I am. Now, that person that you are talking about is a lunatic. Uh, and he's, he's uh, depressive, and I understand how difficult that is. And the couple of times that I've had conversations with him about it, I've been as open and as honest and as helpful as I could be. But I had to realize finally when I allowed myself to be uh, as evolved as I can be, I can't save anyone. Mm. You can't. No one can can't. save yeah. anyone. You just have to be as open and generous as you can be. And then when they disappoint you four times and it's just getting too heartbreaking, you got to say, you know what, you're on your own. Well, that's and and then I feel like in a way, growing up with someone who uh, was very suicidal, and my brother had those tendencies as well. Like I can't tolerate. It's very hard for me to tolerate depression of other people sometimes because... And look who you ended I know. <laughs> I know. You meet know. your destiny on the road, you I go know. to avoid it. Ain't I know. life just a treat for you? Wait a minute. Depression was supposed to meet me in Samara. <laughs> But it's but and you I feel turned like left in Albuquerque. I, I know and I feel bad for that. But I can be very cut and dry when it starts infringing on me <laughs> because it's 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 not good for me. Of course, you yes, know it. Like not. I don't get depressed, but when but when I'm around something where I can't control it like that, or where I've been because I can be a little cheerleader on that person. But at a certain point, I'm like and done because because I have to watch out for me because I learned that growing up with someone who was uh, depressed and always on drugs and suicidal. Well, it's the difference, though, between vomiting up your stuff on Facebook and going <laughs> to everybody's energy, energy sucking out all day, mm -hmm. right? And I understand you're in pain. I get it. And getting up on stage, for example, like in my stand-up comedy right now, literally open with suicidal ideation, literally open with it. Tell me about tell me about your funny suicidal ideation. How suicide was it? Um, <laughs> because it's like I don't want the stigma. I don't want the stigma, and I feel like I'm the person who's going to talk about it because I can because it's a well crafted piece of material, not a cry for help, and that's very different. And okay. in the age of social media, because we're all emotional people, except Felicia, <laughs> and, <laughs> and <laughs> kind of true. <laughs> Well, some of us have the dial turned up a little uh -huh. too high. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like you've got to resist that temptation, not because you're building a brand, although that too, <laughs> um, but because the, the, the public does not owe you to improve you. It's like I've had 25 fucking years of therapy. It's 12-step programs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the things that make me better. I'm not looking for acceptance on Twitter. Yes, I am. I'm lying. Were you going to say something? Yes. Free yourself of the need to think of self-revelation as building a brand. Because Thank you. Thank, uh, thank you. you, Papa. Because yes. you get yourself yes. into a bind uh, in which I mean, my persona was so trapped in I'm this, the angry stoner leftist political comic guy mm -hmm. that when I quit smoking pot, I didn't know who I was anymore. Mm. And if you're saying I'm depressed on stage and that's who you are and that's part of what you're saying publicly, Oof. that's fine. That's who you are right now. Uh. But uh, you can get yourself into a bind where you feel as though you have to remain the same thing because it's something you've promised people. 
Oh no! By the and end of the fuck act, them. yeah, no, it's true. But by the end of the act, I've transitioned into being a happy slut. So that's kind of the trajectory. And, and on behalf of all mankind, we would like to thank you. <laughs> no, you're so right. You know, I I used to do stand up, and a lot of it was around my marriage. It was around I made fun of my ex husband and blah blah blah, and my drug use. And when I got arrested and relapsed and tried to kill myself, I stopped doing stand up. And my whole act was about that. And I didn't know who the fuck I was and what I was going to talk about. What my you know my whole thing was about my marriage. And I also think that like, you could get caught in your persona, like you said, like I'm like, I'm a badass, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, you're so not. It's just such, it's such bullshit. It's this weird mask that you get caught in. And I, it's hard to take it off. I mm. tried in a, in a moment of ill-advised kindness to uh, say to Mark Marin a few years ago that I get that his misery is part of his mm. shtick, but you really be free to let go of that as things are getting better for you because yeah. things are getting much better for you. And he said, oh, is that part of my shtick, Dylan? Ooh. And Walker's was <laughs> like, oh, for God's sake. Well, you did kind of deserve that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> absolutely. Wow. Oh, hey, I'm giving you advice you didn't ask for. I'm an idiot. <laughs> that is fascinating. Yeah. Seriously, Mark Maron is really fascinating. We'll be back and we won't be <laughs> talking about him anymore uh, in just a moment with the MILF code. And welcome back to the MILF Code with Felicia Michael, Susanna Brisk, our guests Amy Dresner and Dylan Brody. And since we read a little bit about uh, Dylan's writing, uh, let's read something about Amy's. Oh, no. And this is called I Was 13th Stepped, and I kind of liked it. I didn't know <laughs> what that meant. Amy, explain to Felicia what the 13th step is. The 13th, so there's 12 steps in right. all of the 12 step okay. programs. The 13th step is when people <laughs> who have sobriety and have some time prey on people who are new in the program and are just kind of wide-eyed and sort of sick and running around uh -huh. and, you know it's like it's like shooting fish in a barrel it's like fucking someone in the ICU it's so easy because they're newly sober and they don't know their ass from their elbow and they're like oh you're a guru papa so it's like here's the big book and here's my big dick it's just like it's so easy for them and right. there's people who are known to do that Wow, wow. So uh, here we go. Old timers develop an AA swagger. They're usually confident, calm, and wise. Girls are very attracted to that. These guys end up hooking up with girls they would never get in the real world. Ironically, men are not as attracted to the same thing in women with time. Girls who are crazy still take the prize. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> Jinx. If you have daddy issues and I plead guilty, dating an old timer will probably scratch that itch. They have an air of authority and experience, which is hard to resist. They tend to be older, solid, and sometimes paternal. You can always ask them for advice. When an old timer says, good girl to me, I lose my mind. <laughs> it's sick. I know I should probably head back to therapy. Wow, another draw for dating an old timer is that it's taboo. In spite of their better reasoning and the general AA consensus on the matter, they can't resist you. I must admit, I initiated three out of the four times of these li liaisons. Yes, you were so 13 stepped four times? Yes, yeah, so forget the, wow. the, the preying on aspect. Because some, you know, the, the. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the fact is that the newcomer also is, uh, you know, but, but so few people are honest about yeah, this. Yeah, this, this piece made people crazy yeah oh, no. I got the up and I kind of liked it oh yeah I dated someone who had 25 years when I had 30 days one of my sponsors fucked me are um, you serious yeah well and how come they like, don't kick those people out you can't kick anyone it's, out of you it can't, you oh, can't really? and it's like you know and I wasn't raped I mean it's like when you're newly sober and you put down drugs and alcohol your whole uh, your next drugs are dick caffeine and nicotine 
those are my first go-tos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, you're just, you're looking, you know, you're looking for love, you're looking for validation, right. you're looking to fill that hole, so to speak. And it's like, so, but also, you know, I wrote a piece oh. where I 13 step someone. Yes, that that's what I was well, going to mention is that Amy's later. also honest about the fact yeah. that she 13 stepped a dude later in the, it goes both ways. Yeah, I had, you know, he had like seven months and he was like 15 years younger i'm just gonna high five just, you, right? are yeah. you oh yeah I just did you like, feel bang. bad about it no oh, guess who got handed we dated for four months guess who got handed their ass in that dynamic oh yeah oh really oh yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know i find it interesting <laughs> that in the writing you say people they wouldn't get in the real world because aa is part of the real world mm-hmm. it, i don't think so. not really sure it is it's like people who say in college i you know I don't know what I'm going to do when I get into the real world. What you are experiencing, what is part of your experience, is part of the real world. There are all sorts of clickish little separations of different different groups, but you're still the same human being. Dylan, functioning I think you with should start beings. smoking weed again. Yeah, but I Dylan, really do. let me explain something. <laughs> there are guys that are kind of gross, and they get the hottest girls in AA because they are AA gurus and circuit speakers, and they, you know, and all that stuff. Wherein, if they went to a club, they would never, ever get a girl like right, that. Right, but there yeah. are old, gross stand-up comics who get girls on the road because... Yeah, it's, it's a power hierarchy. It's the, the same the, thing, and that's what I've talked about. It's all the same world. It's, yeah. It's just a different that's prism. That's like guys that teach yoga, or guys <laughs> that do yoga, and they come in and they put their mat next to the prettiest girl, and they would never be able to get that girl in real life, but in the hot, steamy yoga room, they get the girls. Dude, and, and I don't know like, what, what porno you're watching, but I've taken uh, probably a th- at least a thousand yoga classes, and I've never seen that happen. Are you serious? I mean, I've seen like the hitting on and the kind of, oh, cute, whatever, but most it's it's it's. I think the yoga guru kind of people are more like that. A guy, right. a dude is just going to class with his wide shoulders and his flat stomach just and his tattoos. Tell me more. Is just there to, 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 to do class like everybody else and certainly not to look at girls in lycra. But you know what, Dylan, you're right, though, because I did mention <laughs> something you where, you know, changing uh, that up for her. <laughs> where it's Gabrielle Glazer did a whole thing about AA and predatory and, uh, you know, people in AA. And there was a 13 step documentary that's people gone crazy. And I said the hierarchy and the power play that is involved with the sexual predatory behavior is everywhere. It's in the White House. It's in the military. It's in offices. It's everywhere. It's in colleges. It's not just AA. So anytime there's a hierarchy, there's going to be mm-hmm. that predatory power play. And so he's right. It is still, it is just the real world. But my, my question is, if you're that That's committed the to the for, microcosm, right. very good. Uh, I'm going to pretend I know what that is. <laughs> my, <laughs> my question, though, is if you're in so committed to uh, being an AA and doing the 12 steps and, and, and mentoring people or sponsoring people, I don't even know the lingo, but if you're doing that and then to prey on them, I mean, because I, they say you can't do that. So I, why is it allowed? Because it's not, it's, it's, this is why I love your pieces, Amy, because it's not that black and white to say predator prey. It's like the lines get very blurred. You have a lot of you bring a lot of crazy people to the circus, and then you wonder why they're all gonna fuck each other. I mean, it's like it's not it's not regulated. Uh, Wait, the AA groups go to the circus? <laughs> yeah, there's outings. <laughs> now you want to join, and there's cake. <coughs> well, you know, also it's a re- yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a psych ward. 
you know, mm-hmm. without without a you know a locked facility and no nurses. It's mm-hmm. there's no therapist. Everyone's the blind leading the blind. It's a lot of really sick people, and some people are getting better, and some people have full blown sex addictions. And it's like you know when they put down the stuff, they pick up sex, and it's like you know I also I'm not a fundamentalist. So I take what works for me in AA and I leave the rest. Right, and it's right. like, yeah, I've dated an AA and right now I'm dating someone who's not an AA and it's a fucking joy. You well, know what I mean? Let me ask you uh-huh. this because I went on a couple of dates with this guy and he was in AA for a very, very long time. And I is is it weird that when I would go on dates with him, I, I would feel like, oh, I can't order a glass of wine. But then I'd be like, fuck this motherfucker. I'm going to have two glasses <laughs> of wine. <laughs> but, but when you're dating someone who is an AA, like, are, what is the right thing to do in that situation? I, I, I don't mind if people drink or uh-huh. smoke pot around me. You know, yeah. as long as you don't get super, super fucked up. And as long as you're, like, not doing rails off, like your your you know strippers asses and stuff uh-huh. like you know i'm cool with it but it's like i mean I, i'm the problem i have the problem you don't have the mm-hmm. problem so yeah get it's your buzz on i'm but cool then with I it have, like intimate That's questions issue, and though. that is my issue you know you and feel uncomfortable and he should just be like it's cool you right know? but then but i think what makes me feel uncomfortable is like if i'm gonna have two or three glasses of wine because we're about to do it and we're kissing i feel guilty that w- I wonder if he tastes it. Is of that course you do. You taste it. And it's awesome. I still love that. It's oh, a free really? oh, buzz, dude. Oh we yeah, you like really? sucking on yeah. someone's beard t- stained tongue. It's great. You're like yeah. I can taste the gin. It's so hot. Not Living so vicariously, for me, you know. But, but it's yeah. like, but it's interesting to date someone who's not in the program because you get to see your, everything I say is like addiction and alcoholism and it's like shut your mouth. Does he say that? No, I see <laughs> okay. it. He oh, got in the did. car and I'm blasting the you know the radio and I have a five shot latte and I have my vape. And he's like, you're fucking unreal. He's like, your people need constant stimulation. Like you with your vape and your caffeine. And I have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. No <I> idea. <laughs> We're super, super intense. Yeah. Super, you know. Well, then I was uh, recently working with someone and they uh, 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 were doing the program and he drank so many energy drinks of course and my question is is what is that about do you D- D- dylan brody do you find that uh a lot of uh caffeine and stimulation uh, helps with your uh depression if you occasionally fall in now or or not uh i don't know because there is never a day without a lot of caffeine right, there you go yeah. that's your answer uh i quit smoking cigarettes 20 years ago or so now so I don't uh, um, okay don't brag I didn't mean to be I'm just saying that I just fell back in I used to use a lot of stuff all the time and I don't anymore except caffeine Um, what what I find is that the the medication keeps me fairly stabilized and then if I start to fall back in I do I up my dose by a quarter of a pill Mm -hmm. for two days and I'm out of it again I think that what we've learned from this podcast, I was going to talk about um, what are the keys to happiness because Mm -hmm. a a lot of uh, philosophers have uh, theories about this. But I think we've pretty much figured out that the key to happiness is caffeine. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, for, uh, that's kind of the, the overall right, oh, right, right. Come on. Oh, yeah. theme, because I bet you you're not quite as sunny before your first cup. Am I right? No, I'm pretty sunny. I'm yeah, pretty I sunny. have the sense that yeah. you just... You're when I wake up, I'm like, bing! I have some I'm friends the person who are that like goes that. out and gets everybody coffee. She's going. I go she's to get the Gentile. Do- I go get not the donuts before anybody else is awakened in the house. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Thank Can you, you sleep over? I will one day. Thank All right. you so much, you guys. For it's already in. over? It's I know. Over. It goes so and fast. That's the piece I you wrote. Can we? Right. I want to oh. talk about Dylan's date he has coming up November 21st, opening for David, David Sedaris. David oh, at Valley nice. Performing yes. Arts Center. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I love David. He is very kind to me. I open for him when he's on this coast. Amy, Amy, Amy what about when we you? find you? 
Uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter. I write for The Fix. I write for Addiction.com. And I'm writing my addiction memoir right now. And so. cute as hell. Yeah, oh, she is. God I would bless. like to throw out that I'm doing my one-woman show November Woo! 7th. I'm Yay! finally putting the trigger. I used to make fun of people like me, and now I am one of those people. Uh, you can find me on MalibuMom.com right. and come see me at the Comedy Store in the main room. That's right. On uh, October 21st. Wonderful, wonderful. And we love you. Thank you for being with us today. This was the genius episode of the MILF Code. Thank you for participating in yes. your recovery today. We appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs>